Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Murder Mystery Mafia podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and today marks the beginning of a 10-episode series covering a murder mystery that will keep you on your toes. Just as a disclaimer, this story is fiction and is for entertainment purposes only. All right, let's jump right in. It all starts in a nice, quiet neighborhood hidden within the suburbs of Chicago. In this neighborhood, one would find houses of a lovely weathered brown, plastered in different shades along the portrait-like houses, packed like sardines, in the neighborhood called Sugarwood. In the first house on Sugarwood Lane, one would find Miss Heather Faw, a lovely old woman living alone since her husband passed two years ago. She's most known by her homemade batch of warm, delicate chocolate chip cookies. In the second house on Sugarwood Lane lives the Stewart family, a young couple married for only a year and still adjusting to the married life based on the consistent yelling out of their house. And finally, we arrive at 123 Sugarwood Lane, the third house down the road. In this house lives the Knox family, a complete mess to the onlookers, which one would expect with a family of seven residing in a quaint little home built for a nice family of four. Joe and Leanne proudly accept the mess, though, and embrace it head-on. Joe Knox, the man of the family, has a hard shell from the outside, but those who really get to know him know he's just a big teddy bear. As chief of the homicide department of the local police station, however, The presumption of his hard shell and intimidating presence is probably understandable. His lovely wife, Dr. Leanne Knox, is a well-known and respected therapist around the area. The neighbors know her as a young, beautiful woman in her lower 30s, striving to run a successful therapy practice while raising five children. She seems to be the balancer of the family, the one who keeps the mess from slipping over the line into disaster and chaos. Her five kids might make an absolute mess, but they're her pride and joy nonetheless. Billy is the oldest and is a rising junior at the University of Illinois. He's well-liked in the family, a young, handsome fellow whose caring personality and competitive brains led him on a full-ride scholarship to pursue a bachelor's degree in nursing. Next in the family is Natasha and Barb, the twins of the family and rising seniors in high school. They're bright young women who both excel at different sports in their school. While they're full of energy and competitiveness, they help their parents around the house and with their two younger siblings, Kathy and Nick. The 12 and 10 year old take full advantage of being the youngest in the family, taking turns throwing temper tantrums and always wanting attention. While Leanne has to take care of her patients, her children will always come first to her. Every morning is the same. Around 7 a.m., everyone, except Billy, who lives on campus, will be in the kitchen getting ready for school and work. Leanne will kiss her husband and children goodbye, and she'll be on her way to work, watching the school bus pick up her kids in her rearview mirror. She sees her patients, comes home, makes dinner, sees her kids off to bed, and goes to sleep. But little does she know, this seemingly endless cycle is all about to change. On the chilly morning of December 11th, Leanne wakes up to her alarm clock and looks out her window to see a light snowfall coming down. Growing up in Georgia, she always appreciates the snow no matter how often it comes. She gets dressed, ready for the day, and floats downstairs for a nice warm cup of coffee. Her husband already has a cup and is seemingly 
occupied with his phone. Morning, she says with a glimmering smile. Her husband looks up at her with an anxious look on his face. I wish it was, he says. Just got the news we're investigating what looks like a suicide for Mrs. Fall. Leanne puts down her mugs and stares at him, mortified. The sweet old lady a few houses down killed herself? Had the death of her husband, her best friend, just set in two years later? I'm so sorry, that's awful, she says. And just when the snow made it seem like a magical day, Leanne grabs some breakfast, kisses her kids goodbye, and hides the pit in her stomach that keeps growing and growing. She gets to work and tries to shake off the shock of the news. Good morning, Dr. Knox. You doing okay this morning? Leanne smiles at her secretary. Well, it's definitely been a morning, I'll say. She takes the files of the patients for the day from her secretary, thanks her, and makes her way back to her office. Four patients, two returning clients, and two new ones today. Okay, I can do this. She gets through the first three with her head on straight, and in comes the last client for the day. When she opens the door, Leanne immediately notices her dark hair, dark shadows, and big, beautiful, desperate eyes. You could feel the cloud of grief billowing at her soul and seeping through to the living around her. She's around the same age as Leanne and also very beautiful. Welcome, Chelsea. Please make yourself comfortable. My name is Leanne, and I'm here to help in any way I can. Chelsea slowly takes her place on the couch and peers at her with those big blue eyes. My friend, my friend has died. Leanne takes her by the hand and nods. Tell me more. We were barely even friends. I don't know why I'm this upset. We were paired as roommates our freshman year in college. I only spent two semesters with her, but, you know, she, she was nice, and I guess I care about her more than I thought I do. <laughs> but she's dead now. We haven't spoken for years, ever since the end of freshman year. And what was her name, Leanne asked. Saying the name out loud would make it more of a reality. Well, her, her name was Vanessa, Vanessa Stallion. And the pit had returned. The widening pit in Leanne's stomach had just become a gaping abyss. Leanne tried to shake the feeling and became the professional therapist she was well known for. But after the session, Leanne sat back in her chair alone in her office and felt shocked. She had not heard that name for many, many years. She bade farewell to her secretary and drove home feeling numb and helpless. When she walked in, Joe was sitting at the dining room table doing some paperwork and had bought Chinese home for dinner that night. After Leanne walked through the front door, she slumped in the chair beside him and grabbed and squeezed his hand. What's wrong, honey? He said. Silence filled the air. Vanessa Stallion is dead. Like she said before, saying it out loud would make it more of a reality. Vanessa Stallion. How do I know that name? Leanne looked at him and took a deep breath. She was my childhood best friend all the way through high school. I've talked about her before, but I haven't talked to her ever since. He looked at his wife concerned. You sure it's the same one? The same person, he said? I don't know. All I know is that it's the same name. He squeezed her hand back. You should go find out. 
Leanne then felt restless and looked down at her watch. It was 5.30 p.m. on a Friday. Can you watch the kids for the weekend while I'm gone? Of course, he calmly responded. We'll be just fine. Leanne quickly packed her bags, squeezed her children, and sat in her car in her garage, staring at the wall in front of her. What the hell am I going to do? Step by step, she told herself. Take this step by step. But the gaping abyss in her stomach became a bottomless canyon in which she could feel someone screaming echoes for help. All right, here we go. Leanne decided to take the trip back to her hometown in Georgia to find out the truth about Vanessa. It was a 12-hour trip, but she made it nonetheless. Leanne parked in front of a small, run-down white cottage in Georgia with dirt and vines devouring it. Darkness was settling in, and Leanne wasn't sure if the home had been abandoned or was just not kept up with. She saw a light turn on inside, and a little hope came inside her. She cautiously walked up to the green, molding door and knocked. She heard footsteps approach the door, and an aged but friendly-looking woman opened the door. I'll be damned. Who might you be? Are you Mrs. Stallion? She she nodded her head suspiciously. I don't know if you remember me, but my name is Leanne Knox. I used to be your daughter's best friend when we were younger. Mrs. Stallion looked at her with happiness and shock. Oh my, how you've grown! Pardon my lack of memory, please come in. And, and it's Miss Stallion now. Leanne smiled and walked in the familiar cottage. Everything was the same as she remembered, all except the odd absence of their family portraits. You're just in time for dinner. I actually made leftovers, so please sit down and make yourself at home. The two started talking about the good times in the past and about Vanessa. Miss Stallion went on and on gushing about how Vanessa is getting her PhD and working as a professor at a university. Leanne smiles and takes another bite. Have you heard from Vanessa recently? Miss Stallion went on. Yeah, she came for Thanksgiving. She seemed happy, like everything was fine. She's dating this new guy and he seems to make her really happy. Leanne grabbed her hand. I heard someone tell me she's dead. No, 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 that can't be. I I haven't heard from her since she visited and, you know, Thanksgiving, but she came so recently. I mean, there has to be a mistake. That can't be the same person. Well, can you call her? No, Miss Stallion said, but I'm sure she's fine. Leanne became really confused now. Was Vanessa really dead? Was her client talking about another person, and was it all just some weird coincidence? Miss Stallion offered Vanessa's old bedroom for Leanne to stay the night, and she accepted. She walked upstairs and heard the creaking of each step she took. Seemed like the house was falling apart at the seams. She walked into the bedroom, feeling even more uneasy, like something was very wrong, but she couldn't put her finger on it. She tried to calm herself down, convincing herself Convincing herself that if Vanessa was happy and her own mother says she's alive, then she must be fine. She sat on the edge of the twin-sized bed and started noticing and reminiscing all of the old memories that she had with Vanessa in this room. An old dollhouse that sat beside the closet, reminding her of the endless hours they spent playing with their dolls. She turned around and saw the field where they used to run out the little window. 
and then her eyes rested on a Christmas ornament, reminding her of how they met. They were in third grade on a school field trip in mid-December. The class was grouped into groups of five kids who would be given a Christmas-themed task to support the local children's hospital. Their group's task was to go to a store and choose an ornament to give to a sick child. The parents stood together at the front of the store, sipping their coffees whilst the children rushed through the store, infatuated by the glimmering Christmas lights, the smell of holly, and the vast collection of ornaments to choose from. The three other girls chose theirs quickly and skipped on over to the counter where the chocolates were, while Leanne and Vanessa stayed behind to really consider their options. Leanne decided to go with a delicate gingerbread house with a little gingerbread family in front of it because all she wanted when she grew up was to have a big happy family since she was an only child. Vanessa picked and prodded through all of her options until she came across one that gave her the spark Leanne always loved to see. Which one did you pick? She asked Vanessa. Vanessa showed her a plastic, jolly-looking black Santa carrying presents because, as she explained, he made her happy. Leanne didn't judge. She giggled and said he looked happy, too. Leanne then shook herself out of the memory and looked at the digital clock on the bedside. It was one in the morning. Deciding it was really late, she lied her head down on the pillow, but heard a crunch under her ear. She sat up and stuck her hand into the pillowcase and pulled out a piece of paper. She opened it, and it read, If he got to me, please help. V. All right, guys, stay tuned for next week's episode to see how this all turns out for episode two. Thanks for listening.